Mount up. nerds this is a special bonus episode i'm going to introduce you to my pal brian baker he is a walking encyclopedia when it comes to cars and the two of us are going to discuss some of the most famous cars from movies and tv oh i had a lot of fun in this interview and i can't wait to share it with you all right buckle up here we go pay attention when i'm talking to you boy adhd it's not just for kids Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! I am very excited to introduce you to my guest. He is an old pal. He was a car designer for GM for 25 years. He is currently the principal historian at the Automotive Hall of Fame in Detroit. I met him on a car show I was on before Top Gear. Basically, if it's got a wheel... This man's interested. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal Brian Baker. How are you? Hey, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to catch up again, my friend. And like I mentioned, let me tell the audience, I did a show for the History Channel about cars uh, called The United States of Cars, and that's where we met. Uh, me and yep. you were on the show. It was a pilot. It didn't get picked up, but they liked uh, me, so I ended up with those two <laughs> idiots on Top Gear. Half of us got picked up. That's important. Well, half of us got picked up, but the auto, the, the auto industry needed you. I'm just, you know. Okay. Yeah, the You're auto right. industry needed you to continue. They were like, we can do without the kid with the mole. But Baker, we can't go on without Baker. There we go. So, yeah, and we had a lot of laughs, and uh, and I had so much fun talking to you. So this one is directed at, uh, at um, pretty much all the car guys and girls out there because you have such knowledge that I wanted to uh, – be able to share with everybody and i'm so glad you took the time to be here with me today basically what we're going to do is we're going to do uh movie and tv cars because those were the coolest things the best so we got to start with this car let me set the scene the back of the semi opens up jerry reed standing next to burt reynolds burt jumps into the truck and drives out jerry's holding fred his dog and said honey hush and that car is the bandit trans am yeah now here's what i know about the bandit trans am it was a uh, uh, it was presented as a 77 Trans Am, but it was actually a 76 Trans Am with the front clip of a 77 put on because the cars weren't out of production yet when they were making a movie. Is that accurate? That's correct. The 77 was the first year with the rectangular headlights. Yes. 76 still had the round headlights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and the 70, and then it changed to the square headlights in that that plastic nose i was kind yeah, of partial individual to pockets in 79 they went to individual pockets yeah i was partial to the 77 and the 78 so was burt reynolds the last one he owned was a 78 oh yeah yeah a black and gold bandit well 78 that he had modified to up to 600 horsepower mm. so so burt could do burnouts at will yeah burt's not and messing around that car sold at Barrett Jackson a few years ago while Bert was still alive for two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. That's where I met him. I met ah. Bert. I was working at Barrett Jackson collect the car auction. Bert was there. I had to do a, a spot at the Improv that night, so I said I'm going to be late. How do I, I? I can't not meet Bert Reynolds. So they brought me in the back. They 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 made a way for me to get to him, and I shook his hand. I said uh, I said Bert, there were three things I could talk to my father about: cars, football, and you. 
<laughs> and he laughed. He sat down. I made him laugh. He was so kind and generous with his time. And 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 he he knew. I think he was aware of what that moment meant to me. There's a there's a quick story, Adam, if I can share about that bandit mm-hmm. about why the black and gold thing happened. In the early '70s, Lotus cars raced in Formula One right. with the John Player Special, mm-hmm. uh, which was a sponsored race car. It was black with gold pinstripes. And the guys in the Pontiac studio so loved that race car, they decided to do up the boss's car, mm-hmm. their boss, the, the head of design, in a black and gold treatment like this. And that's when when they celebrated the 50th anniversary of Pontiac, mm-hmm. which was 1976. They did this car as a limited edition. Yeah. The car left an impression on Hal Needham, who was who was Burt's buddy and the director of uh, the first Bandit film. Yeah. And he's the one who sold Paramount on, hey, let's do a car, a, a show featuring a car with Burt. And only because of Reynolds' star power were they willing to do it. It was really underfunded. Not a very uh, high-budget film at all. And uh, Hal Needham knew how to put make, make Firebirds jump through the air. Yeah, that one he actually put a rocket assist on the back of it to make it do the big jump in the movie. Wow! <laughs> it's also it, it was, uh, he also did it with different transmissions because there's one shot when it's a when it's a manual. There's another shot when it's an automatic. I hope for Sally Field's sake she was inside when the automatic was in there. Yes, she there was, was the scene where she's there. laying down and then talking to him wistfully about Stephen Sondheim. And I looked at the transmission. I go, oh, they put they don't they don't want uh, uh, Bert shifting a gear and smacking her head when he goes in the second. <laughs> But here's the thing I wanted to ask you, because you said the last one he owned was a 78. I read a story where sales of the Trans Am went up so much from that movie that they gave him a new car every year until, like, the third generation uh, when he called up for his car and and GM switched heads. And the head of GM said, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, Bert. That basically that's it. He started. They sent him a TA every year. Sales between 1977, when the film came out, mm-hmm. and it was one of the top grossing films of the year, right. up against up against the original Star Wars film. And that's saying something. Yeah, that was such a, a blockbuster. Same year, and it sold so well. They went from 68,000 Transams a year that by 79 they were building 117,000. Wow. And. There are very few cars today that anybody sells more than 100,000 cars. Right. This car was wildly popular. Everybody wanted to be Burt Reynolds. True. And how, how many sold with that livery? That With the Bandit? The yeah. Bandit, just about 20%. Yeah. Uh, about 20% of them were the black and golds. And uh, and they command big prices today. Not yeah. as much as Burt's, but you know they'll get thirty to $50,000 for a clean one. You know what car I loved in 77 from Pontiac? I loved the Formula. Yeah, the formula yeah, had that too. The, the was, grabber was a little, hood, more, the, a little more understated. Yeah, little, more sophisticated, like you, Adam. That yeah, that that's me. You know, <laughs> let's be honest, Brian. I'm fucking classy. <laughs> Absolutely. No, the formula was a. They did the Esprit. The formula. They they made so many different variations. You could get everything from what they called your secretary special, mm-hmm. all the way up to the Trans Ams. And then there were aftermarket guys taking the Trans Ams and making them eat the Macho TA and others that were even wilder uh, than the factory was doing. Yeah. But, uh, and I, Trans Am phenomenon, huge. James Garner loved the Esprit because of the balance. Uh, what happened? 350 in it? Uh, no, smaller. I think I think it may have been even a 305. Really? But, uh, okay. But he's, his probably had a 350. I think his did because the book I read was 
He liked it because of the balance, and it was easy to do tricks in it. Because he did all the stunt driving before yeah. Steve Steve Cannell said, "Ah, right, you got to stop." And then after after he says, "You got to stop," it went to shit. And then they said, "All right, you can drive again, Jim." So I the saw green. I saw the yeah. um, uh, I think it was the seventy nine because I didn't like the grill. I I, I cared for the I, I preferred the other grill, but I right. saw it at Barrett Jackson when I was working there, and I did a little piece on it. Um, and you know who's very, very sweet? His daughter. When when James Garner passed away, I posted something online, and she reached out to me on social media to say thank you. And I was like, oh, I mean, the joy in, uh, that your father brought me, it's the least I could do. So He was he was an absolute, genuine car guy. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bob Bondurant, the great driving instructor, uh, has said that there are only three of Hollywood's actors who could have made good race car drivers. Mm-hmm. Newman, Newman, Gardner, and Steve McQueen. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Corolla's not bad, and Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> They're, this quote goes before their time. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. But yeah, James Gardner was a great, great, and he did a lot of great things with his Firebird on Rockford Files. Oh, yeah. Well, now that you're talking about Steve McQueen, I, I got to ask about the bullet car. I mean, that, that's oh. one of my favorite. That bullet chase scene, when that came out, um, first of all, it, it was amazing to me as a kid when I remember seeing it, and I, I really fl- flipped out because he was chasing a 68 uh, Charger, which yeah. is my fi- one of my is my favorite year of the Charger because I like <laughs> I like the round taillights. I just yes, I just like that, the, the round taillights. I think they're they're cool. And anytime you can get a pistol grip shifter, I'm in. Yeah, he's chasing well, that car, well, and he's got a set. He's got the American Racing rims on the Mustang, and all the hubcaps are flying off the car, and eight hubcaps fly off a car that's got four hubcaps. Yeah, down Mariposa Boulevard, there mm-hmm. in downtown San Francisco. The, the hubcaps go flying. You see the same Volkswagen Beetle about four times in the background. <laughs> you, you can you go back. There's a Maverick back there, and early, you know there's 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 some stuff that uh, just you know it defies logic. But that film, mm-hmm. you know, McQueen's big leap in Hollywood was when he did The Great Escape. Yeah. And everybody remembers the motorcycle jump scene where he's trying to get away from the Nazis and he jumps through yeah. the air on his and motorcycle. And by the way, not a great jump, but Steve McQueen did it. Wrong. Got I'm it. sorry to have to correct you. Please do. Everybody thinks McQueen did it. It was actually his buddy, his right, his stunt double, who did it because the film's producers wouldn't let McQueen do it. They said, you can't, no, you're, there's too much risk here involved. Mm-hmm. McQueen was angry about it because yeah. he wanted to hey i do my own stunts that mm-hmm. was especially when it involved wheels right yep mcqueen yep. actually is in the chase scene as one of the nazis wearing a helmet chasing himself on the motorcycle really yeah and so mcqueen mcqueen was angry about that he made his big money with with uh the great escape started his own picture production company tristar mm-hmm. Right. And when he started TriStar, the very first project he did was Bullet. And when he did Bullet, he said, I'm doing all my own driving this time. I'm the boss now. I'm in charge. And they they built up a couple of Mustangs for the for the film. Um, and interesting, most people don't notice, but you know, he didn't want to be viewed as a sellout. Right. So he had him right. yank the Mustang logo out of the grill, mm-hmm. kind of debadged. Yeah, the they debadged everything, they murdered it, they debadged it all of it. Took it, took it all down. That, that car went through a series of owners and, and recently sold for over $3 million. But but what's uh, amazing about it, the morning of the stunt, they st- the, some of the stunt guys said, hey, we're going to go ahead and film it once, and then we'll have Steve step in. Because Steve was known for showing up late right. on the set. Sure. Well, 
McQueen got wind of it and he hustled over and he said, get out of the car. I'm driving. <laughs> they, there's, there's, there's another car, another uh, car that was used for some of the scenes outside of downtown San Francisco that had the trunk removed and room for a cameraman to sit in the trunk with a camera on a gimbal and, and yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. That car recently reappeared down in Mexico and is being restored. Uh, they've documented it had all the holes drilled in the right places where the camera mounts were. But the scenes where the Charger and the Mustang are banging fenders out there and the shotgun blasts and all that yeah. stuff. Well, McQueen was a great driver, obviously. The guy driving the Charger was a professional stunt driver, not an actor. Right, but he, right. but for the film, they they gave him a you know he has about three lines in the whole film you know that nod of yeah here we go let's go you know uh, he, he was just that confident driver but yeah McQueen was um, doing all his own stuff in that film and he loved there's that famous scene where he's backing up at about thirty miles an hour and jams it forward yeah. and the tires are smoking he loved you know he stuck his head out the window he wanted everybody to see yeah. I'm doing this. that's me damn it yeah yeah two two <laughs> things one. That's when, when in first season of Top Gear, I jumped a Cadillac, and I wanted to make sure that they knew it was me doing it. Yeah, because I had the same Steve McQueen moment. I'm like, listen, I almost died. I get a shot at a mole. It's me. So that's so I totally understand what Steve was thinking. And you know how cool Steve McQueen was? They gave that stunt driver lines, which means he gets residuals from the union, and it and it goes towards his pension and, and welfare. That's how cool Steve McQueen was. That's you know, he used cool to do Steve that for guests too, Johnny Carson. If he had a guest on that, yeah. uh, you know, to demonstrate something, he would ask them a question. So they had to say something. So they got money. That's cool. Yeah. That's I, cool. I got to share a quick, a quick Steve McQueen story for you that uh, it connects Steve McQueen and Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew McQueen had cool stuff in his garage, motorcycles, cars, whatever. It was always cool. Bruce Lee, after he started making some money, went over to McQueen's house one day and said, hey, I'm thinking about buying a Porsche. What do you think? And McQueen says, well, hop in. I'll take you for a ride. McQueen puts, uh, I think it was a 550. It was not a, a regular 911. It was a right. 550, like D James Dean died. Yeah, bathtub Porsche. Yeah, and, and he throws him in the car, and they go up a Mulholland Drive, mm -hmm. famous for crazy driving and, and curves and people tumbling to their death and everything else. I've you know? spun out many times on that road, Brian. All right, so they're on Mulholland and Bruce Lee slowly starts sinking down in the passenger seat. This is this is the baddest ass guy pound for pound in history, possibly, right? Right. And he's freaking out because McQueen's driving at the edge of these, you know, these cliffs, right? Mm -hmm. You've been on the road. By the end, the 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 story is as told by McQueen's son, who who got it from Steve, was Bruce was down in the footwell. He was just curled up fetal <laughs> down in the footwell. He got out of the car and he said, McQueen, you're crazy. You are crazy. But I still want to buy a Porsche. And he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, uh, I, the dream, you know, when I have the money for the Porsche, you know, first yes. I got to get a 63 Lincoln and I got to get a bullet. And I will tell you, I know they're a pain in the ass in their front engine, but I, I, I always liked the 928. I always liked just yeah. the, it was a fun it was a more of a luxury kind of there was going to be their daily driver kind of thing but I always liked that car. It was Porsche trying to outdo Jaguar. Yeah. That was that was what they were going to make a better GT than Jaguar. All you got to do to outdo Jaguar is make the fucking thing work. 
<laughs> on a rainy day. Yeah, on a rainy day <laughs> and, and and the electrical system. Yes. Speaking of which, um, I was at the uh, uh, I got friends over at the Peterson, and they took me in the yes. basement and showed me all the cool stuff. Oh. And they yeah, showed me close. McQueen's. I think it was a '56 Jag. He raced at Le Mans with the leather yeah. straps to keep yeah. the hood down. XKSS. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. It was that British racing green. It was absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful car. Yeah, yeah. They took me and they showed me that. They showed me. Uh, oh, they showed me uh, Cadzilla. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Cadillac. Well, a that... dear friend of mine designed that car. He for did for ZZ Top. Yeah, he designed for Billy Gibbons. For, yeah, for Billy Gibbons. Yeah, the designer was a guy who was actually working with me in Cadillac Studio at the time, right. a guy named Larry Erickson. Mm-hmm. Larry's a gifted designer. He left GM and went and designed the 05 Mustang, which was the retro return of the retro yeah. look for Mustang. Yeah. And uh, great, great designer. But yeah, Cadzilla. I, did they have the motorcycles that go with it there? Too? I didn't see the motorcycles, and, and but I wanted to ask you, I don't, it's a, is it a 49 with suicide doors? It's a 49 with not suicide doors, but it's it's chop channeled, lowered, sectioned, and everything you can imagine. But, well, I, uh, well, actually, I'm remembering suicide doors for some reason, but I'm not well, very. Larry, bright. that car was actually designed after hours in the Cadillac Studios back here in Detroit by Love Larry, it. with the blessings of the bosses. They knew what he was doing. Love it. You, you know what else they made that they showed me in the basement when the, when the Pope went to Mexico? They had an yes. old DTS, mm-hmm. and they they made they made a a Pope mobile out of a DTS. All right. Basically, what they did is they cut it to look like an El Camino and they put a fishing chair in the back with no cover on it. And the Pope came and blessed it. And the uh, the Swiss guard that guards the Pope leaned in and goes, you're not riding this piece of shit, Papa. It's not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Pope mobiles. We could do a whole talk sometime about Pope. Oh, you know what I did? We did an episode what? of limos. I took a 69 Lincoln. I yeah. stretched it, cut the roof off. So it's like an open chauffeur's compartment. Put a big cool. bubble on the back of it. Put a giant chair on it, and I drove Cloris Leachman to the Emmys, sitting in that big fish tank looking thing. I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Great. That was a good time. Let me ask you this: between the '67 Fastback and the '68, here's what I like about the Mustangs. I think they got the proportions right in '67. Mm-hmm. The '66, uh, the rake on the back was a little too severe for me, and I didn't yeah. like the taillights that kind of bowed out. I like the uh, the '67s when the taillights went in. And I think they got the, the rear proportions right on it. And it, the stance of the car is great. And the, uh, it, 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 looks a little more, it looks a little more refined than the chunkiness of the 68. Am I crazy with the rear vents? You're talking like a designer, pal. I got a buddy yeah, of mine. I've known him for years. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Here's the story. Ford Motor Company practically went bankrupt because of the Edsel program. Mm-hmm. Between 58 and 60, they spent so much money hyping this vehicle that was going to be so revolutionary everybody expected it to come out with with no wheels you know right it comes out everybody realized it's just a reworked mercury mm-hmm. and and it's a couple hundred bucks more so it flops henry the deuce henry ford the second mm-hmm. grand, grandson of the founder of the company um had young lee iacocca on his staff and iacocca came to him and said hey there's a market for young people who are just coming of age, who were, you know, conceived at the end of World War II, all those baby boomers. Right. So Iacocca got the blessing from Henry Ford. He said, okay, you want to do your young people's car, you do it, but you got to stick with the Falcon basics. You got to start with the Ford Falcon, which was the car everybody's great aunt had, you know, just a grocery getter. Yeah, but it was a short wheelbase, you know. It It was the right size, but it was pretty primitive. 
a yeah. real basic box section frame. So by the Mustang was such an incredible sensation. Two and a half million Mustangs sold mm -hmm. in the first two years of production. That's, I mean, we were talking about how great the Trans Am was at 117,000. Right. Imagine two and a half million cars. So Ford suddenly, well, the budget was wide open for the Mustang guys to get the proportions right in 67 for the second generation of the car. Right. So your eyes are spot on, Adam. That's exactly right. They had a little more time, a little more refinement. And that's why the 67 was great. And usually the first year of a new body is yeah. the purest statement. That's mm -hmm. the nicest design. Yeah. You got it. You got it, buddy. Yeah. 67. I saw and one. I saw a, uh, a, a replica of a bullet car made out of a 67 at Barrett Jackson that the guy did just, a, it was just great. Had Momo wheel in it. It had the, the cue ball shifter. It had that nice long, a little bit. Of, it wasn't really a long throw, but it was that angled throw. So it wasn't really a short throw. It was enough to let you know you were doing something. Yeah, yeah, and I was—I well, would always adjust the pedals so I could so I could heel toe because to make them to make them even because I'm always reaching with my little feet. <laughs> so how did you feel? Your favorite car gets run off into a, a you know a, a truck stop and explodes the, because McQueen's chasing him in bullet. <laughs> oh, I well, I, first of all, you know you knew you knew the Charger wasn't going to win, <laughs> but it's the willful suspension of disbelief. I go look, it wasn't the hero car. <laughs> I'm sure there were others, and Superman can't fly. So, but yeah, that <laughs> was the like, anti-hero car. Yeah, look at how Dodge has embraced black Chargers. Mm -hmm. If you think what percentage of all the Chargers you see around you on the road, I mean the modern ones, are black. Yeah, that and car they, set the mold. They took. They also took a risk by making it a four-door when it first came out. They made it a sedan, and yeah. I was like, because I, I remember when the Charger came out, I was so excited the nameplate was coming out. Uh, and I was like, mm, I don't know how that's going to be. You know, it, it's like, but, but I settled into it. I've, I've, I've had, I've, dr I've driven a few of them um, and, and they're great. I mean, they're big, you know, yeah. it's a wide girl, even the challenger, the challenges, challenges, big girl. Yes. And, that's, and the Mustang, yeah. the proportions of the Mustang to me, that's the most balanced car there is. The, the, I like the Camaros, but the visibility is killing me. The C pillar on that, on the Camaro is like, look up past an oak tree. <laughs> I mean, they made it a little better. They sent me, I don't know what year they get the ZR1 they sent me, but the ZR1 had the backup camera in the rearview mirror. It's small, but at least it's something. But uh, yeah, the yeah. visibility is my quibble with the Camaro and the size of the, uh, and, and the agility of the, uh, of the Challenger is my quibble with that. So I'm responding a lot to the Mustangs. I mean, you hold down, I had, they sent me the GT350. They, oh, they sent me the bullet car, which was great. Right. They sent me, and it's the same thing. Brian, it's the same thing. It's all blacked out. The only bullet badge is on the rear, uh, is, is on the rear, below the trunk. Uh, you get bullet on the door sill. You get the cue ball shifter. You get bullet on the uh, uh, overall where the glove compartment is. It's got the rev matching transmission, so you, so you feel like you're a better driver than you actually are. <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. And the GT350 has the same stuff in it, you know, the rev matching stuff, but, yeah. but it's got more power in it. Um, and I really like the, G the the seats in the GT350. The the side bolsters that just I, I was like it was like being insured with Allstate. I got my whole ass in good hands. <laughs> well, that that the success of Bullet as a non product placement, but it was a product placement for Mustang. Sure. Uh, gave McQueen the confidence to go forward with his next project, which was Le Mans. Yeah, uh, and the filming of that, which. 
uh, was a $70 million uh, a, a tragedy uh, from Hollywood's perspective, but we're glad it was made. It's uh, got a lot of great scenes. They, they actually allowed the producers to film uh, during the race. Yeah, during wow. the 24-hour race. Really? So that, a, lot, a lot of that footage in that film is actual race footage from uh, the 1970 race. The next two cars coming up captured my imagination, but I think the first one uh, I, I, it really hit me first, and that's the original Batmobile. Yeah. I sat in the original one. They hired a Barrett. I think it went for over $4 million, 4.1, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, but I sat in the original one. They had it in the showroom. Uh, Craig Jackson said, go over and take a look at it. <laughs> okay. I, went, I sat in it. I'm think, all I'm thinking to myself is Adam West fought it in this seat in tights. <laughs> Well, that car has an amazing history. Right, let me see. Um, let me see how much I know. Yeah, that's you tell me what you know, and then and, and then know. then you just take it off into into sure. shit that I didn't know. It was a '55 Lincoln Futura concept car, right? Correct. Okay, because I had the picture uh, from Life magazine. It was on the cover of Life magazine. I think it was in Italy, and you know they always have the big smile Correct. on the lady. It was. Yeah, it was. It was built there. Yeah, and uh, so I remember looking at it, going, "That's the Batmobile, but it's white and it's different." And it's Italian, so I liked it even more. <laughs> and I think Barris bought the bought the car for a dollar. They charged it him a buck. It, 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 that's it. Basically, finished. You know, there, in the auto industry, there's nothing older than last year's show car. Right. It's already gotten all the media that it's ever going to get. It, it it tours the country and such. That car, the the Ford team designed it uh, here in Dearborn, outside of Detroit, mm -hmm. and they went to Gia. In Italy, Ghia yeah. was a carrozzeria, co coach builder, uh, well, a great coach builder in Italy, and they fabricated the car. It was they were faster at it. They used plaster instead of the clay models that we do here in Detroit. The Italians used a plaster uh, technique. They built that '55 dream car, toured the country with it. It ended up in Los Angeles, and to save a few bucks, somebody said why don't we just send this thing over to George Barris, the car customizer, mm -hmm. uh, and have him store it for us. They weren't intended to do anything else with it. Just let's have Barris store it. And so they stick it in Barris's back lot there in Hollywood. Barris knew everybody, you know, from Marilyn Monroe to, you know, everybody he had, he was doing custom cars for them. He's doing a lot of movie cars, TV cars and such. So this thing languished in his parking lot for years. Mm -hmm. And he gets a call uh, uh, in 65 that, Hey, we're doing a, uh, we're going to make a primetime television show on the bat based on the Batman comics. And we need a Batmobile, a modern Batmobile. And George said, I'll design one for you. Well, he put that little bat nose on mm -hmm. the front end of it and divided the grill, uh, you know, put the rocket launchers and the uh, radar scanner at the base of the windshield. Mm -hmm. uh, he took out the center, the center uh, capsule. Yeah, all that, all that stuff. George basically did a Barris number yeah. on it. You know, he 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 uh, he he turned it into this iconic vehicle, uh, of which several were made, um, but and used in different seasons. One one was made with like a matte finish, like a bat. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't have the gloss finish. That, and I just, you know, I don't know about you. You and I are of a certain age where we remember how cool it was. That, man, he just jumped into his car. He didn't yeah. open the door. Didn't no he door. Robin, he and Robin, he to the Batmobile, Robin. He came down you a freaking pole. <laughs> you kidding? And he, and he put it, uh, George put a set of Craigers on it and then just put this, uh, the, the, the center bat uh, insignias on the front so we didn't have to show Craigers or put a set of knockoffs on it. 
but you can't look at him without thinking of that trumpet roll, right? And and when he comes out and the uh, the fence comes down and he has the uh, the uh, rocket blast out of the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took that idea, Brian. We did an RV show, and I, I had a seventy-two Lincoln, uh, seventy-two Buick Centurion convertible, mm. and I put the yeah. Flatiron building on it. That was my RV, and I would climb up the, <laughs> the, and I would live up there, but I would drive this convertible. So I figured we're gonna have to RV. We're gonna need to cook. So I remembered the the uh, rocket blast that used to come out of the uh, Batmobile, and I I asked the designers. I said, I want I want fire coming out of the exhaust so we can cook. And they put a flamethrower out of the exhaust, and me and, me and Tanner were cooking hot dogs while Rutch, Rutch tried to set up a Honda, an accordion-based Honda. <laughs> but, yeah, this car, for me, I mean, there was a lot of fiberglass. I remember going to those little car shows. Like, when I was on the road uh, doing stand-up a lot more, I would always look for, a, like, a, a local little car show, and I would go. And they always had a, a fiberglass model there. Take a picture. But I yeah, sat in the cool. original one. That's cool. Didn't and you I, actually put on the baklava at one point? Did you put on the Batman? Yes, they gave me the whole thing to put on. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I put that thing on. I, I was on the phone. You know, it was it was. I got. I, I was a kid again. Was this the first time? Because Barris designed the Batmobile. He designed the the uh, monster monster coach. He designed Dragula, the coffin car for Grandpa. He designed uh, the monkey mobile. Is this the first one he did for TV, or was the one before? This, this was the first one that really he had done some other stuff, minor bits for films and and such. Mm-hmm. But this was the one that really made the Barris name. Uh, and George managed over the years because most of the guys doing these these cars for Hollywood. Uh, lived from one film project to the next. Right. And Barris, Barris had the foresight to purchase a lot of them. Uh, for example, he didn't actually design the monkey mobile, but he ended up owning it. And oh. by he owns the rights to it and, and such. He The story on the Batmobile is there was Corgi toys made a little 143rd scale that you and I probably had as kids. Brian, right? I still got it. You still got it. I do. Hey. You still got it. That's awesome. <laughs> They're worth some coin because most of us beat them up in the sandbox and tossed them yeah. away. And, and rem- you know, remember whatever. the blade that used to come out of the front nose? <laughs> yes. So so they, they had all th- th- this car, but then the world of m- licensing came into play. Mm-hmm. And George controlled the rights to the Batmobile shape. Uh, even though it started at Lincoln, he controlled the rights as this, right? right. And he held on to that for decades. That's why you don't see all through the 70s and 80s, there weren't any die casts done. Uh, Mattel, Hot Wheels, finally had enough coin mm-hmm. to take care of George and several generations of Barris family members to buy the rights to produce this thing as a die cast. That's why they're available again. Mm-hmm. Now it's the large, in the larger scale. So uh, George held out for the big money and I uh, had a chance to meet him a few years before he passed. And uh, he was uh, kind enough to autograph a picture of him and the Batmobiles for my sons. I have. Yeah, I, I met him at Barrett Jackson. He's always wearing a satin jacket. Always in a satin jacket. Yeah. Uh, now, today, there is a small company in um, it's near Lebanon, Indiana, mm-hmm. north, northeast of uh, northwest of Indianapolis, that is licensed to manufacture Batmobiles. And they take mid-70s Lincoln chassis, big town car chassis. Right. And they produce about four new Batmobiles a year. Uh, there's there's one that lives not far from where I am here in Detroit. He shows up cruising Woodward Avenue in it every once in a while with his Batman baklava hood on, <laughs> waving at everybody. He's an old guy. He loves it. Did they now did they put I'm sure they put headlights in him because there was no headlights in, in right. 
bright. They put headlights in them, but uh, it's basically the same design. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of the, the difference between the two. The twin windshield thing always was was a big hit. You know, in yeah. the 50s, that was we were all going to have our own fighter cockpits, right? You know, yeah, it was, we were all well, it was all the yeah, it was all um, uh, airplane based. And if you look at the side Mercedes, the 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 the, the Gullwing, the first 56, the Gullwing. Yes. Had those 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 retro side grills on it, and they brought it back for the McLaren when Mercedes yes. did the McLaren. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Oh, the '57 Chevy had the two uh, jets coming down the hood. Yes, yes. It was it was the post World War II. All the designers who had been you know either working with the Air Force or designing, they brought all the styling cues back. Bombsite hood ornaments on Buicks. Yeah, there's a Buick. Some Buicks with a freaking bomb on the hood. You know, you you looked out down, down the bomb site at, at your next uh, you know, enemy. Lincoln in front too. Of you the there. Lincoln had the crosshairs in that in that rectangle. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. it was all airplanes and 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 fish, sharks, manta rays, all yeah. that stuff that influenced these guys. But this post-war, you know, post post-World War II uh, era of design was so heavily influenced by aircraft. Everybody had fins and wings. Yeah. There was even a Buick that didn't get produced, that came this close to production right. in 58, that had a third fin down the middle of the trunk lid. A third A fin? dorsal fin, just like a shark. Yeah. Wow. I've got pictures of it. I'll share it with you sometime. What was the, oh, was it the, was it the FF, the Oldsmobile two-seater gold? The, the F85. F85, yeah. The FF yeah. was the, is the Ferrari that, that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the F eighty five. I love that. I saw a concept. They never made it because I guess GM said, "Why are we going to go after the market for the Corvette? What the hell's wrong with you?" Right. Harley Earl wanted to do a two seater for every brand. Yeah. So he did concept cars for Pontiac, Buick, Oldsmobile. All of them had two seaters. All right. Even that two seat two seaters, a little sports car. Then there was the Monkey Mobile, which is a little <laughs> bit bigger than a two seater. You know, there's a great story. There were two Monkey Mobiles made. One was touring the country, promoting the TV show. Right. And we all, it was, it, it was pretty well known. I mean, you tell me what you know. What do you remember about the monkey mobile? Please. I remember sitting there going, why is the exhaust coming out of the front wheel well? They hit a bump. <laughs> they're going to crush those pipes. <laughs> so true. Um, this car had a previous life. I dream of Jeannie. Um, what's the actor's name? Help me. Tony. No. Larry Hagman. Larry Hagman. This GTO that was used in his show when they finished with it, they gave it to a guy named Dean Jeffries. Okay. Dean Jeffries was a, a classic hot rodder. He also had a shop right on in the Hollywood Hills, right off the Hollywood freeway. I used to drive past it. And he regularly did cars for movies and television. The one he did, besides the monkey mobile that most people will remember, was uh, the Black Beauty, the car from the Green Hornet. I was going to ask that Plymouth. He did that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The same guy. That's the so Dean, right, that one that gets me excited because it's it's just menacing, understated, uh, but it's a monster, or it appears to be a monster. That car still survives. It was at a car show in my house uh, about a year and a half ago. A friend of mine owns the car now. It's uh, it's a pretty cool machine. But here's the story: that they finished filming "I Dream of Jeannie." Mm-hmm. The show gets canceled. They got this car sitting around. They got this new TV show that's going to kind of. Uh, right on the coattails of the Beatles popularity. We're going to create a boy band and we're going to cast it with an English kid right. named Davy right. Jones and all that stuff. But they wanted, they wanted a car for it. So mm-hmm. they got Jeffries to take this GTO, the very same car, cut the, the bulkhead out from behind the back seat and make it into a long Phantom 
you know, they, they, they just took basically extended the trunk all the way oh, to the okay. back and made a third row seat. Did they extend the wheelbase or just just no, add shit on the it's end? Just, it, they, extend, they extended the rear fenders. Right. Yes. Yeah, more rear overhang. It's The proportions are, are a little tweaked. Right. Uh, the front overhang's about the norm, but, uh, and, the, and obviously that crazy nose, you know. Yeah. That, that, it's a 67, yes? Uh, 67, correct. And they got a blower on it. Uh, and, and but but and a they non-functional and, blower, but yes, yeah, but, you know. But they made the they made two cars, and one just toured the country promoting the show, and the other one they were using on the series. Both cars appeared in the first two seasons of right. the TV show. Was um, was the exhaust active? I just can't see why you would make that choice to come out of the wheel well if it was, was going to work. <laughs> well, it's like a gasser, like yeah. dragsters of the '60s. Some of the gassers had, you know, they just cut holes so they didn't have to route the exhaust under the car. Right. Just cut a hole in the fender and have it shoot out right out of the engine. Yeah. Uh, but but Dean Jeffries did this car. It was offered back to him for they he could buy the cars back when the TV series was canceled. Mm-hmm. And he said, nah, I'm not interested. George Barris did purchase the car and he proceeds to promote it. And it's the second most selling uh, uh, model kit in history of automobiles. I had it. it. Was, I had- uh, you had it. They yeah. sold 7 million of these in model kits, second only to the Dukes of Hazard for a TV car. Uh, but but the uh, the Monkey Mobile has, still has legs as far as uh, it still sells die casts and, and other uh, yeah. things to the. Uh, you know, Steven Stills was up for the part of uh, that Peter Tork got, but they said, really? listen, you're a good musician. We want a blonde. Your teeth are too fucked up. <laughs> And he was like, all right, uh, my friend Peter Talk lives up uh, in Laurel Canyon. I'll send him down. And he got the gigs. So he re- he referred to Peter to them. That's cool. Yeah. Good story. Now Good I have story. a special request uh, from my pal Tanner. Uh, I told yeah. him I was going to be talking to you. Um, and I said, all right, what car do you want to know about? And strangely enough, Tanner likes the Coyote from Hardcastle and McCormick. It's odd, a cool car. Because I, I always thought it was a kit car. Well, the one that they used in the film was a kit car, right. but the kit car was the molds for it were taken from a very famous race car, McLaren 6GT. And, and Bruce McLaren was this wonderful New Zealander. He's actually in our Automotive Hall of Fame. Uh, Bruce McLaren uh, was uh, a great innovator in, in race car design in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. When, when that, and he decided he wanted to make a street legal production version of his race car that he was racing at Le Mans and Sebring and de- everywhere he could you know go for those. In- and this car looks just like it. Yeah. Uh, they took, they literally took molds. I don't think the lawyers were noticing, you know, they just literally took molds off of an actual uh, prototype car and they built these and they built them with Volkswagen power plants and platforms. So it was a Beetle underneath. The car in Hardcastle and McCormick, the Beetle didn't have enough horsepower to make uh, make I was going to say, at least maybe it ain't going that fast. And it's air-cooled, so it's noisy. They put a Porsche 914 motor that they had built up in it. That gave it enough power because it was super lightweight. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no weight there at all. It's all fiberglass and, and such. And the first few seasons, they used this car um and and they probably had six or seven of them Mm because these things you know tend to get destroyed by jumps so here's this crazy car being jumped all over the place brian keith who played the retired judge i have a theory he was getting he was getting along in years and in the 
in the series, as I recall watching it, uh, you know, they get in and out of this this coyote of his, but mm-hmm. it was a pain in the butt to get in and out of. It was sure. you know, like low crawling in. So, so we he, we needed a way to make to make it easier for Brian Keith to get in and out of the car. So for the last two seasons, it took the basic styling of the other car, right? And they grafted it on top of a DeLorean. Ah. Okay. And and so suddenly the car has gullwing doors. So the car is actually a DeLorean DMC twelve wow. with the Renault V six in the back. Wow. You know you know where the you know where the uh, the uh the presses are for the DeLorean? Um the, you I'm know, not certain who owns the them stamps. Now. You know what the stamps and the presses are? Yeah, yeah, the stampings, yeah. They're in the harbor in Ireland. <laughs> they used them to hold the, yeah, <laughs> they, they just shoved them off. They, they huh? used them to hold down buoys in the harbor in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I read yeah. a book on DeLorean. I was like, oh, okay, man. Cocaine is bad, kids. <laughs> well, you know, Adam, these cars are so fun to talk about because they influenced all of us. You know, yeah. guys like like you, myself, you know, we, we grew up playing with the toys, watching the show, watching the shows. Uh, they, they do instantly take us back to our childhood. Yeah. You know, don't they? I want to go back I, and I want to ask you about the Dukes of Hazard. I want to ask you about uh, Kit. I want to ask you about the 74 Dodge Monaco from the Blues Brothers. Um, yeah, I, I, I can keep and, you here and, all day. And we haven't even talked about any of the James Bond, Aston Martins, or BMW. The DB5. Gee, oh, come on. The Lotus, <laughs> that's actually a submarine. Which is returning in the new Bond film when he when it finally comes to a theater when we can go back to theaters. Yeah, I want to ask you about the Tumblr, too. I want one of those yes. for the house. That's, that's some great stories. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to come back anytime, Adam. Thank you, my brother. People want to hit you up on social media. Where do they go? Um, they, they hit me at Brian Baker. At thedrivingspirit.org. Cool. Uh, that's that's my email at the Automotive Hall of Fame. You can also just go to the Automotive Hall of Fame.org website and you'll find me there. I'm I'm the head of education and the principal historian. And uh, I I love all things automotive. I teach the next generation of automobile designers whose shoulders they're standing on. And these guys, uh, these customizers who do these show cars, there's there's some of the guys who influence all of us. Yeah. Ah, you're a good guy, and I'm glad we're friends, my brother. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Best to you and the family. Likewise. Oh, I hope you guys had a good time. I really enjoyed talking to my pal, and I'm going to have Brian back again. So if there's a car you want to know about, you can email me at theadamferrara at gmail or hit me up on social media. Uh, appreciate all the love and support for the show. The show is growing, and it's because of you. So if you like the show, tell a friend. And if you don't like the show, tell somebody you don't like. It's a good way to piss them off. All right. See you soon.